Hey, my name is Nick. I am one of the leaders here. I am an intern here at Emerge Youth. And uh, I'm covering for Jeremy tonight. Jeremy's on vacay. He's taking a much-needed time off, so I am covering for him. And I'm really excited to be here, and I'm just going to get into it, all right? So tonight I'm going to be talking about something that is very important to me. It's very important to all of us who consider Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. We're talking about our calling tonight. We all got one. We all got one that's unique to ourselves, and it's all very important to what God has laid out for us. And by calling, I mean the initiative for us Christians for our lives here on earth. It's pretty much like our, our mission impossible, if you've ever seen those movies, that's given to us by God. He's like our, our boss. Um, and it's important that we understand what God's calling means for us because it is because it's um, critical to the salvation of many. We have lives at stake here, so we need to understand what we're called to do and how we are going to do it. Amen? Y'all with me? All right, before we get into it, I want to encourage you all, like we do every week, to take notes because who knows what God could speak to you tonight. And note takers are? And note takers? Which? But? Amen. All right. Good night, everyone. So tonight, we are going to be looking at a man who had a calling by God, and he chose to ignore it, like we often do. It's very easy for us to ignore what God says or what he commands us to do and just go our own way. And we're going to look at a man who did that in the Bible. His name, you're probably familiar with it, it's Jonah. So we're going to turn to the book of Jonah. Were you excited? Yeah, Jonah's a pretty cool guy. So... If you have your Bibles on you, we will be looking at Jonah chapter 1, the very beginning. If you do not have it, it will be up on the screen. Yes, it will. We ready? The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving the Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, brief con- Did I say that right? Tarshish, yeah. Brief context, Jonah was a prophet to northern Israel. He was a really good one at that. And in this passage, God is giving him a calling on his life. He is telling him directly, I want you to go to this city of Nineveh, and I want you to preach my name to them. Now, a little history lesson. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, and the people of Nineveh are very cruel. They're very corrupt, and they're world-renowned for being this way. They're direct enemies to Jonah's people of Israel. So Jonah is very fearful of the city of Nineveh, and he would much rather not go to Nineveh for his own safety because if if you've seen VeggieTales, has anyone seen VeggieTales of this? You know how they like slap them with the fishes? That was real life. That was not made up. Um, I'm just kidding. That was made up. But they were still cruel regardless. And for Jonah's sake, for Israel's sake, Jonah wanted to take his own ambition to the forefront. He did not want to go to Nineveh for his own safety and for the safety of Israel because he believed that the people of Nineveh would get saved They wouldn't be cruel anymore. And what Jonah wanted to see was Nineveh wiped off the face of the earth, get what they deserve from God. He ignored 
God's calling for him, and he went his own route. Have you ever been afraid of something that you're supposed to do? IRL, right? In real life. Sorry. <laughs> Follow-up question, is anyone here like a thrill seeker? Like, you wouldn't consider yourself a thrill seeker? You would? So like, who likes roller coasters in here? Who likes, has anyone ever been skydiving? You've been skydiving? You're, you're crazy. Why would you go skydiving? Um, has anyone ever been bungee jumping? That's a kind of hand. All right. So here's the thing, like, about me. That's not, that don't count. That's not real bungee jumping. Here's the thing about me. I'm very different when it comes to stuff like roller coasters or thrill-seeking or anything like that. I absolutely hate it. And if, I've always been this way. Like, when my family went to, like, Disney World when I was, like, 10, I cried because I didn't want to go on Splash Mountain, the ride with all the freaking rabbits. Um... Yeah, it is scary, because I don't like the feeling of dropping, you know. I can do all, like, the loops and the turns and the whoop-de-whoops and whatever, but the minute you're, like, up high and you go down low really fast and it feels like your guts are in your throat, you know what I mean? I hate that, and I would do, like, so many things before I would free fall off anything. I am afraid of thrill-seeking if we're going to say that. So, all that being said, a few, um, not a few, many years ago when I was a freshman in high school, our good leader, David North here, he's not here tonight, he took me and some of my other friends on a trip to Colorado. Now, I'm a little freshman, so I'm a lot more littler than I am now, a freshman in college. Um, and I was still the same way I am now. I hate, I hate roller coasters. I hate um, falling. I don't, who really likes falling anyway? But um, I hated all that stuff. So while we were in Colorado, he took us on this big zipline course in the mountains. And it's, it's labeled as like the extreme zipline course for all the thrill seekers, not me. So... It's like 18 different zip lines, a whole course of them, and you're all over the mountains and the canyons and, and whatever. And it's really cool because you're zip lining, you're not falling, you're just kind of gliding, you know. Like that stuff I can handle. That's awesome. Sign me up for that. So we're on this zip line course, and I'm about to get on the 18th and final zip line, and I'm on top of this little mountain, right? I'm, I'm going to use my hands a lot just because I use my hands a lot. Um, and I look down the zip line, goes all the way over here, and over here is this big seven-story long tower. I have a picture of it right here. So this is where this final zip line leads to. And when you get onto this seven-story tower, there's no stairway to go back to the ground, right? The only way you can get off is to bungee jump off this seven-story tower and that's how you get down to the ground. And for a significant portion of that, you're like free falling because you have to like jump and free fall down before the bungee cord levels out and it slows your fall, right? Physics nerds, you get me? Um, not my cup of tea, right? Because I'm free falling, I don't like that crap. Oh Lord, I'm sorry I said that, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> um, 
So I'm on this little platform to go onto this zip line that leads down to this tower, and I see what they're doing, I see what they're gonna put me on, and I absolutely lose my mind. Because I would do anything rather than jump off a seven-story tower in free fall and lose my head and like scream and embarrass myself in front of all my friends. I would do so many things right before I do that. Um, and there are many reasons as to why I was scared to do it. Um, you know, a lot of it was I was afraid of being uncomfortable. I didn't like the feeling of like, my gut's in my throat, <laughs> who likes that? Uh, I was scared of like the unknown, like what the heck is gonna happen to me? Am I gonna be safe? Am I going to cry? Am I gonna love it? Am I going to die? I don't wanna die. Um, and then I would like, I started to cry, it's really embarrassing, but I started to cry because I didn't wanna do this and everyone was around me was looking at me like I was a fool for crying. Um, I'm just kind of trauma dumping on you, that's sad. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and like I got to a point where I was on top of this mountain and I started looking at like the mountain below me and I thought, well, I could take that way down. I can just walk down this huge mountain that could kill me. I, who cares if there's like steep drops? Who cares if there's like rattlesnakes and crazy wildlife? Who cares if there's cactuses or cacti? Yeah, thank you. That's going to ruin the message now. Um, who cares? I'll form my own path because I don't want to do that. There are so many things that like prevented me from doing the thing that I set out to do originally when I got on this zipline course. And isn't it the same for us in our walk with God? So often we are intimidated by like what we're supposed to do and what we're called to do by God that we create these barriers that inhibit us from doing the things that God has called us to do. And I asked you if you had ever been given something to do that um, you were reluctant to do. And we can all agree that we let these human emotions and these blockades block our path that God has laid out. We get afraid. God, and how am I supposed to talk to these people? They hate me. God, what are people going to think of me if I do this crazy thing? Sometimes we get deterred by what we don't know or what we don't understand or what we don't foresee coming. God, I have no idea what I am supposed to do here. I don't see an end to this situation that you've called me to. Or sometimes, like I did, we form our own path. God, this way seems so much easier. Are you sure this isn't the right way? I mean, I won't have to deal with this. This way makes more sense financially, socially, whatever. These are all the barriers that we deal with, and they're the same barriers that Jonah dealt with when he got called to Nineveh. And it's still relevant today. It's still stuff we deal with each and every day, and we cannot let these barriers define our faith and our walk with God because God's calling for us is important. It is important for us. It's important for our well-being, our faith in the Lord, and our relationship with him. But it's also important for his kingdom. Every single person on this earth is reliant on us following God's calling in our life. Serving people, serving your family member, your brother, your sister, your coworker, or your neighbor. It's all reliant on what we are called to do. 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, it says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, 
but because this was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through, sorry, through Christ, Jesus. And now he had made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. God's calling us God's calling for us is important because it is divine. God's calling for us is important because it is holy. It is sanctioned by the sacrifice of Jesus and his blood. It's powerful. It holds so much power. God's calling for us is important because it is foreseen. It's written from the beginning, long before we were even born. God's calling for us is important because it equips us for evangelism, for saving lives. And that's what Christianity is all about. Now, tonight, I want to leave you with four points that are all reliant about God's calling. And they have helped me tremendously in my calling, and I hope that they help you. Point number one, God is calling you even through the small acts. God's calling is present through every moment of our life, the big and the small. And when... I think so often, Christians, when we think about the calling of our lives, we go to camp or we go to like some big event or whatever, and they do a message about calling. It's always about, God, what career do you want me to do? Or where do you want me to go to college? God, are you calling me to be a, a minister or a pastor? God, are you calling me to be a missionary? God, are you calling me to go to James River? God forbid. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get it in there. Um, but in reality, you know, that stuff is important, our career path and whatever college or education we strive for. God calls us to act on his will every day through a multitude of decisions each day. It's not just about your career or your education. It's talking to those who need to be talked to. It's being generous to those people that are more needy than us. That is acting out your calling in your life. So many people, when they talk about being called by God, they don't know what they're looking for, or they don't know what they're supposed to do. God, what am I supposed to do as a career path? God, I I have no idea where I'm supposed to go to college. God, I have no clue what I'm supposed to be when I grow up. And if we don't know what we're supposed to do in the long run, there are countless things that God's called us to do in this book that we know right now, and that's a good place to start. Start with the stuff that we know that God has commanded us to do. Love your neighbor. Be generous. Tithe. All stuff that's written in this book is a great place to start. And if you trust God in the short steps, those big steps that you see further down the road, what am I supposed to do as a career? Where am I supposed to go to college? You will be more equipped with God's calling for your life, and they're going to be a whole lot easier than if you're just focusing on those and not living out God's calling right now. Yes. Good night. Just kidding. Point number two, God's calling will have you giving life, not just living life. Mmm. It rhymes. It's good. God calls us, God, God calls us 
to look beyond ourselves and to get rid of selfishness. It's commanded. Put others before ourselves. Let's not focus on our own selfish ambitions. Let's honor each other, honor our brother and sister, our neighbor. Jonah was someone who failed to look beyond his own wishes. He was a person who only saw what he wanted to believe. God, Nineveh is a threat to me. It's a threat to my people. Wipe them off the face of the earth. He did not acknowledge that God wanted these people to be saved because they are God's children. Don't we do the exact same? We put our own selfish ambitions in front of what God calls us to do. God, I'll look weird if I talk to that kid. No one talks to him. I'll be a social outcast. God, I really need this money for myself. I know, you, I know I'm supposed to be generous, but I, I need this. God, I earned this luxury. I, I earned this treatment of myself. Treat yourself. And that's fine. Treating yourself and treating your faith is all good. But the minute your own self-treatment and your own self-interests conflict with you treating others like Christ did, you're not living out God's calling. That's contradictory to it. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with caring for yourself. There's nothing wrong with caring for your faith or putting time into your own um, well-being. But it's important that we put others before ourselves because it's commanded by God. True Christianity is serving each other, serving one another, acting selflessly, showing Jesus' love every day. Point number three. Even if we lose our path, God can still put us on track to our destination. I'm sure you've heard by, um, you know, the great preacher Kanye West. (laughs) We can never go too far to where we can't come back home again. That was good. We can never go too far to where we can't come back home again. It is facts. Um, Disregard what I said about Kanye. That was a joke. He's not. Sorry. (laughs) The road and circumstances may change if we diverge off the path Our path in return may be a lot different from what it was initially, but God is still faithful regardless, and God will fulfill his promises to you. It may look totally different, and it may be a whole lot more work than it initially was, but God is faithful regardless. This happened with Jonah. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 and then 9 through 10, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish, He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I will offer your sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Jonah, the man who rejected God's calling, went at his lowest point in the belly of a sea monster, 
went down on his knees and reconciled with the Lord, and God was faithful. And that same God that was faithful to Jonah is faithful to us. We can't go so far to where we cannot be rescued. God is faithful. A cool thing about, like, the book of Jonah, if you've ever read it, it's kind of mirrored in, like, the first half and the second half. So if you look back in chapter 1, I don't have any of this on the screen, but it's really cool. Chapter 1 starts with God calling Jonah to minister to the people of Nineveh. And then, like we said, he refused, and he sailed to Tarshish instead. And then he got eaten by a fish, right? Um, And that's where, at his lowest point, he repented and got reconciled with God And God forgave him and was faithful to his promise. In chapter 3 of Jonah, not on the screen, it begins by God calling Jonah to go to the people of Nineveh. But this time it is fulfilled. Jonah says, yes, Lord, I will go to that. And I think this, like, is a great visual representation of how faithful God is to us. When we say no to him or we reject him or we form our own path There is always room where we can come back to him. Like I've said two times already, you can never go back to, you can, you can never go too far to where you can't come back home again. Just like Jonah did. It's the same way for us. And just like Jonah, as many of us have before, I've had my moment where I've fleed from God's calling. And I talk about my testimony a lot, um, but I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, I went to Mizzou my first semester of college, M-I-Z, Z-O-U. Um, I don't go there anymore, though, so. Uh, I went to Mizzou to form my own path. I wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted to be the guy um, who was helping people, but not in the way that God intended for me to help people. I wanted to be, like, a doctor, um, a brain doctor, if you will. Um, but this was after God had called me into ministry. Last summer before I went to Mizzou, I felt God called me to full-time ministry as a career. And I knew that. I knew what God wanted me to do. I knew what he had called me to do. But yet I still said, God, I think this is the way I need to go. I let my own heart determine where my ship sailed. So I went to Mizzou, and I I signed up for all the classes that I was supposed to take, that I thought I was supposed to take. And I was on path to being what I wanted to be. But it was at that moment where I was trying to decide my schedule for the rest of the four years that I was going to be at Mizzou where God said, that's not right. Remember? Remember what I called you to do? And it was at that moment where I thought, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And I think so many of us do that. It may not be as major as a college decision, but even in like the little decisions, God, am I really supposed to do that? No, you want me to do something else. Okay, I will do that. It's relevant through all of us. And I returned to God's um, path for me, right? Uh, I left to Mizzou. I gave it all up, and I came back here to pursue what God wanted me to do. And it required a really big step, you know. Leaving schools is something that, like, is pretty hard for people, Um, which leads me to point number four, my final point. God's calling will require you to make difficult steps, but it will never leave you astray. 
Has anyone ever seen Indiana Jones? Oh, yeah. Has anyone seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? The third one with the cup, Holy Grail. If you haven't, um, there's a scene, it's close to the end, where he's about to find the treasure, the Holy Grail. And he has to go through this cave with all these booby traps, right? And he gets to a place where there's a big cavern, a big cliff right in the middle of where he's supposed to go, right? And he can't, like, jump it. He can't, like, do his and swing across. But he has a little book with him, a little direction um, thing, and it says you have to take a leap of faith and you have to, you have to trust in the process. So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll trust in the process. And he closes his eyes and he takes a big step and then he takes a step and secretly there was a bridge underneath him all along. I don't know if you've seen the movie. I don't even know if this, that makes sense, but there was something carrying him all along and all he had to do was put his faith in it that it would work and that he would see his way through. And it's the same thing with us and our faith and our calling. Sometimes you may have to face a large area when following God, that will require big steps and big amounts of faith. However, with faith and obedience, this is important, there is no safer place than being in God's will. It may be scary and it may seem daunting at first, but there, you will never be safer than when you are on path with where God wants you to be. Matthew chapter 6, 33 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Be obedient and faithful. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and God will lay out a path for you, just like he did with Jonah. 